The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Who are you? We are asked that question in a variety of ways. When we are first introduced to someone and they want to know our name, when we are applying for a job, or going on a first date. Often in meetings on Zoom, when we don't know everybody already, we are asked to introduce ourselves. So mine typically goes something like this. My name is Michelle Sevig. I'm a pastor of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Lakeview, right next to Wrigley Field, and I use pronouns she and her. It's a very brief introduction, but it doesn't really say too much about my identity, who I am. To really know more about who I am, you need to spend some time with me to know what my passions are, what makes me laugh or cry, or what my skills are and who is family to me. To really know who I am, there needs to be a relationship. In this week's Gospel reading, Jesus asks his disciples, those that he's in close relationship with, about his identity. Who do people say that I am? In other words, what's the word on the street? What have you heard? What are my poll numbers? As one writer puts it, I can just about hear the schoolboy relief in their voices. Ooh, ooh, I got this one. This is an easy one, I know. As they scramble to answer Jesus' question. Uh, people say that you're John the Baptist, right? Oh, no, 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 they say you're Elijah. Actually, some folks think you're Jeremiah. Yes, but others say that you're one of the prophets. And I'm guessing that they go on for a while, back and forth, each disciple trying to drown out the others with a more succinct and authoritative and promising answer. And so Jesus presses on. But who do you say that I am? And looking at each disciple in turn, he awaits a more intimate answer. Consider the life we've lived together thus far the bread we've broken, the miles we've walked, the tears we've shed, the laughter we've shared. Who am I to you? Jesus asks. How have you experienced me? Where do I stand in the life that we are making together? And when I imagine what happens next, I see the disciples falling into an awkward silence avoiding eye contact with Jesus, shuffling their feet, coughing, casting an anxious glance at the other. And I imagine each of them desperately hoping that someone else will answer first. We only get the shortened version in the Bible. 
But I imagine there was much more conversation happening at that time. And as Jesus waits patiently to hear what his closest friends will say about him, do they know him? How much have they comprehended of his mission and vision? And how willing are they to confess out loud? And when the silence becomes unbearable, Peter throws himself forward and answers the question as confidently as he can. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus blesses Peter and declares that on this rock, in other words, through Peter's testimony, he will build this church. And it is through Peter's testimony that faith in Jesus is spread throughout the nations and through the generations. Peter declares, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And I wonder if we are able to do the same. Now, I have to admit that most of my actions don't confess that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Rather, they testify that Jesus is a great man, a good example to follow, someone to be inspired by, kind of like the prophets of old that the disciples named. And I suspect that I am not alone in sensing the disconnect between my public confession on Sunday mornings and my everyday actions. There's a gap between the words that we say on Sunday and the lives that we live the rest of the week. Who do you say that Jesus is? We are asked this week. And our answer comes not only from the words that we say in the creeds or the prayers, but by what we say with our lives, our relationships, our bank accounts, our time and our energy, and all the rest. So I want us to wonder together for a moment today what what we actually mean when we say with Peter that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, one pastor that I know is going to ask his congregation during the sermon to turn to their neighbor and talk with one another about who Jesus is to them, using plain and simple words as if explaining it to a child or a stranger. You can all breathe a sigh of relief. I am not going to make you do that today. (laughs) But I will share with you what this pastor and I have come up with for our own understanding. Jesus is God's way of showing us just how much God loves us and all people. God came to be like one of us, to live like one of us, in order to reveal just how God feels about us. In this sense, Jesus revealed God's heart, a heart that aches with all who suffer, a heart that is upset and angry with the violence that permeates our society, especially toward our black and brown siblings a heart that loves us as only an adoring parent can. And so not only wants what's best for us, but also is eager to welcome us home with grace and forgiveness and love. But it's more than that too. I think Jesus also came to show us what's possible. And so rather than give in to the threat of disease, Jesus healed. Rather than surrender people to their demons, Jesus showed compassion. Rather than let people starve because there was not enough, Jesus fed people who were hungry. 
Jesus refused to be satisfied by the status quo and invites us to do the same. Because Jesus' life and death show us how much God loves us, and Jesus' resurrection shows us that that love is more powerful than hate, more powerful than fear, more powerful even than death. Jesus shows us, in short, that God's love wins. And so we are empowered to live lives that are filled with and share God's love. Aware of the brokenness of the world, yes, but even more aware of God's grace and the power of the resurrection. Confessing that Jesus is Messiah, the Son of the living God, means that we are called to look at our whole lives, our time, our relationships, our hopes, our dreams, our finances, and all the rest through the lens of both the power and the possibilities created by seeing God laid bare in Jesus. You see, Jesus does not ask us to confess who we believe he is for his own sake, but rather for ours, that we might be caught up in the power of his love and life. And the confessions that we offer about Jesus in church and in our daily lives aren't words of praise for God, but rather are words of power to help root us in love and the possibility that Jesus offers. Now, if we're honest, we are probably a, more like, a lot more like Peter in his misunderstandings and his foibles than we are like Peter in his proudest moment in today's gospel. Yet Jesus embraces us just as he did Peter. He continues to call his church together to proclaim God's love, to forgive and be forgiven, to gather week after week around this holy meal. And as his followers, we continue to baptize and teach, to feed the hungry and welcome the stranger, and to call forth and encourage the gifts in one another so that our whole lives are rooted in the identity given to us in baptism. Beloved child of the living God. Amen.